My friends, welcome to On Point with Rachel Turgerman. I'm so glad you can join us tonight. My friends, nearing the end of life is a subject matter that no one wants to talk about. However, it is the surest thing we have in life, facing death. Death is an inescapable certainty. Tonight, I wanna to bring you good news in the midst of this somber topic. The good news is that Catholic Hospice is a tremendous support for all of us and for people that have been but have been diagnosed with a terminal illness and their family members. We're gonna have nurturing and comforting, all the wonderful news. And today I am bringing to you somebody very, very special in the healthcare industry. Her name is Diane Backoff, the executive director of Catholic Hospice. Diane is an authority in the healthcare industry. And that is why she has done wonderful things with hospices and all the other uh, considerations of organizations and taking them up to many, many, many levels of success. She is an authority, she's a champion, and we love her. Thank you so much, Diane, for joining us on On Point Rachel Turgerman. You are God sent to all our multicultural communities and Catholic hospice is also God sent. God bless you. Thank you, so, thank you so much for the kind words. I really appreciate it. That's very sweet of you, thank you. Well, you deserve it. Uh, earlier you were saying to me that's 36 years in the hospice industry is unbelievable. So what I wanna do today is before we get into the Catholic hospice uh, programs, which are many, and they're going to love them, I want all of viewers to get to know a little bit about you, Diane, about your career, your work journey, talk to us. So how did you start the career? How did you decide that you wanted to go into such a helpful, altruistic career, tell us. So I have to thank a good friend of mine who told me that she thought I would be good at it. And that was simply sort of what it took. I interviewed with a founder and an owner of a hospice in 1984-ish uh, and was hired for the job as an LPN at the bedside in a hospice inpatient center in Broward County and was sort of offered the opportunity throughout my career to work in different facets of hospitals. And I think that's one of the attractive things in terms of um, being in hospice. You could become a little burnt out if you stay in maybe one discipline your whole career. But right. I was given the opportunity to sort of change and go into administration, into sales and marketing, into admissions and intake act as an LPN uh, when at the bedside, right, at the beginning. But when I went back to school, instead of going back for my RN, I went back for my bachelor's in health services administration at Barry University. And that served me well in the business side, which I was, I was lacking. I was, I was uh, well-versed in the clinical side as an LPN and saw firsthand what hospice could do for patients and families. And I felt it was really super rewarding. I knew we were doing good work. We were doing God's work. I yes. felt uh, fulfilled by it. I felt I could see how it was helping people. And so what better way to continue on and to provide support to people that then came after me that I ended up managing and recruiting and hiring and uh, was very invested and have been very invested for the last 36 years. 
I love the fact that you, like you said earlier, the clinical aspect of it, and then you got the administration part of it. You've had vast amount of, of positions that are very up there in the hierarchy and the healthcare industry from, you know, admissions. Uh, and you also were at the bedside with the patient care. And you also worked uh, for another hospice. And then you also worked in New York. Yes. So, I mean, your experience is, is, is crazy. You know, startups and, and corporations that were permanent. I mean, now looking back of 36 years of, of all this type of experience, how do you feel? Proud, yes. for sure. It's, it's, as I said, it's very satisfying. Um, I can't think of a better place to work. First of all, Catholic hospice is, is incredible and represents the industry so well. The people that work there, um, their dedication, their compassion, um, they are servants and they see themselves that way. And I think that's what makes the difference. They're there to serve and family members and patients become like family members to them. And so- when you give your all like that, it really does make a difference. Well, I got to say, you know, uh, good leadership starts at the top and you're the executive director. And I've spoken to several of your staff members. I want to give a big shout out to Jessica Joseph. Yay, Jessica, we Jessica. love you. <laughs> and everybody loves you. They say that, that, you know, you direct with such calm, you know, calmness and compassion and empathy, you know, and that is so beautiful. So on Thank that you. note, I want to congratulate you again. And, you know, let's get into Catholic hospice. When was it born and how many years has it been in existence? So it'll be 32 years in December. In 1988, Monsignor Brian Walsh had the idea to have hospice connected to the Catholic Church. And the synergy was there um, to observe people in that sacred journey at that time and to walk with people. He was really the catalyst for founding Catholic hospice. About oh 10 or 11 years ago, we were pulled in by the Archdiocese under the Catholic Health Services umbrella, which is really fortunate for us because it gives a nice blend of all these lines of business that are healthcare oriented and they're, they're separate and unto themselves, but some of them are very much related, like the skilled nursing facilities, the rehabs, the ALFs, the low income housing, all of these, uh, the home health agency, all of these we work in synergy with. And then there's others that we don't, like early child development and child care. But um, all of those are under the umbrella of Catholic Health Services connected to the Archdiocese. The part that I love about that connection is it really does honor Monsignor Walsh's original vision, right? He wanted to walk with people at this time. He saw himself in the church as serving this community. And again, I reiterate to you that the, the, the staff, they are true servants. We have two employees that just celebrated 27 years. So they were there for almost the whole time. Yes. That's Jason excellent. Fernandez is our facilities director, among many other departments that she serves. And um, Germania Smith, who's a hospice aide, who has been serving at the bedside, providing support for these patients since for 27 years. That That's is a big job and a long time. And so we just awarded both of them and recognized them and we'll do so in our formal um, all staff meeting in November, which is coming up during hospice month, which is right around the corner. So we'll you, recognize a lot of our staff members there. You see, but look, look what you're saying, you're gonna recognize That's a good leader because I cannot say that all leaders are like you. You know, you have a heart, just like what people are saying about you, you're empathetic. You wanna recognize good employees and by recognizing them, you keep them. 
exactly. and you earn their admiration and the respect and the love and that's what they feel for you so that's they're amazing they're doing they're doing the hard work they really are they're they're out there on the front line and during covid right now more than ever we appreciate what they're doing because they're putting themselves out there they're not hiding behind the computer screen every day sometimes they do telehealth visits but for the most part they go out to the bedside and it's pretty impressive to see how deeply they care and are connected to their patients. And as you brought up uh, COVID-19, Diane, as a, as, as a medical person that you are, a professional and as an administrator, how has Catholic Hospice under your leadership been able to deal with the issue of COVID-19 and your employees and the families and trying to keep them safe? Talk to us about that. Yeah, it's been a daunting task, but one that I think we, we have successfully navigated because we have to. We don't have a choice. I think in the beginning, you're fearful. We were all fearful together. I think little by little, week by week, we navigated and we figured it out. We came up with um, workarounds and processes that would help us accomplish our goals with the number one goal of taking care of the patients and families. And so, you know, with our, with our group that we work with at Catholic Health Services, um, everybody has a supportive role and everybody, you know, there's a group that's making sure to secure good amounts of PPE for us. There's groups that are reminding us of the infectious, infection control processes that we need to pay attention to. And so everybody plays a part. Everybody has uh, a part in the success and so getting together, through it. You come together and work as one. And on that part, I wanna say a big shout out, uh, the regional director of nursing on your rehab side, Joy McMillan. Joy is awesome, absolutely. I love Joy. So Joy, Joy. Here we are both. Giving yes, you a she's a frontliner every single day. Joy is out there, fully garbed, out there taking care of patients. God bless her. So let's talk about Catholic Hospice and the criteria. So for all the viewers that are watching you tonight, what would you say is the criteria? You know, what do they have to meet in order to be enrolled in your programs? So a patient's physician has to um, give us a certification which says that they believe that if the disease runs its normal course, that the patient will have a limited prognosis of six months or less. And that's a Medicare criteria. So that's something that we abide by. It's a compliance rule. And we make sure to um, communicate with our physicians about the prognosis of the patient. And there are a number of end stage diseases that generally are under the criteria and are recognized as diagnoses that we would certify under the hospice benefit. Okay, so there's a criteria. And the physician is the one that says, okay, you have six months or less? I mean, the physician so is the one conjunction, that Yeah, in conjunction with our medical director, the attending physician um, basically is, is the determining person to say they recommend hospice. And then we review the eligibility criteria. They meet with an okay. admission nurse and all of that is discussed. And, and then if it's determined that they do have a limited prognosis of six months or less, then we're able to offer services to the patient and their family. Tremendous support. Can you tell us what's the difference between hospitals and the services of Catholic hospice, Diane? So if you think about why do you go to a hospital, you go to a hospital for aggressive treatment that is going to cure you, fix you, make you better. Uh, and, and with a hospice diagnosis, with somebody who is, uh, has a limited prognosis, the hospital is really no longer the place for that kind of care. We tell patients that when they elect the hospice benefit, they're electing what is known as palliative care, which is for pain and symptom management. And so they would be electing to be comfortable, 
um, not to pursue surgery or chemotherapy or radiation unless it's palliative of nature. And so there's all of that, that treatment uh, criteria that we also want to make sure that we're in sync with, that they understand what we have the ability to deliver in terms of a care plan and that they agree with that care plan. Okay, good. Can you render these services also at somebody's home because it's great to be home? So that's what hospice is all about, to take advantage of the ability to stay in your home where you know you're comfortable, where you're loved and your loved ones can be near you. Maybe your pets are there and you want to stay with them. It's important to people at the end of life to have their needs met in the specific way that they want their needs met. And that's one of the things that we try very, very hard to do is to identify what those specific needs are, how they want the end of life for them to go. It can be quite complicated at times. Sometimes someone has a vision for that and they've, they've made it very clear to their family and loved ones and, and, and to us what they want. Um, and sometimes they're not sure. Sometimes it's very late in the referral process and they're not even able to articulate that message to us. Right. But whatever the situation is, we try to provide the best interventions that we can so that they're comfortable and they can remain at home. There's a very small portion of our average daily census. We take care of over just around 550 patients today, every day at home. The That's majority. a big number. Yeah. And there's probably out of that 550, I would say today, maybe 10 or 15 that are in a facility that is a hospice run facility. Got you. So for the viewers that are watching uh, tonight, what would you say if they're thinking about the options of paying? Are there any options to pay for Catholic hospice services? Yes, absolutely. So Medicare and Medicaid. Medicare was the, you know, the first benefit, the hospice Medicare benefit went through a demonstration project in the late 70s, early 80s, and then was established as a benefit under Medicare. Medicaid quickly mimicked that and provides the exact same benefit. Most commercial insurance uh, companies do have a hospice benefit. We will discuss with their case management departments what's available for them and get authorization from their commercial payer. And then we also, you know, absolutely will provide care regardless of a patient's ability or inability to pay. So we have patients on the program who don't have any funding, their family members, would like to carry out that wish that they remain at home and not in the hospital to die. And we definitely try to accommodate them with that. Got you. I have here a message from one of the people that are watching. Her name is Nana D. She says that this is God sent because right now you guys are taking care of her grandmother. And she uh -huh. just came through the chat. So we want to give a big shout out to Nana D is one of your patients, uh, family members. Also uh, an employee of yours is saying hello, writing to us right now, Diane. Merlene Bien Aim, she works there for 22 years. Hey, a big shout out. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Advanced Directive and Healthcare Surrogate. These are two terms that a lot of people don't know. Can you explain to our viewers what those terms mean? Sure. So, executing your own advanced directive is simply putting your wishes out there to your family and friends um, in writing, hopefully but could also be a verbal agreement that they understand exactly what you want at the end of life. And we use the five wishes document that was created in the 1996-ish era, mm -hmm. um, who a good friend of mine worked on that actually with Jim Toohey in Tallahassee. 
And the five wishes allows you to become as specific as you'd like to be, including it up to, uh, I, I want a um, IV or I don't. I want a feeding tube or I don't. I want to be on a ventilator at the end of life or I don't. Or, you know, you can tailor that to say, I might want you to put me on a ventilator, but if it looks like things are not going well for me or are futile, I want you to take it off and be comfortable. That way, if you have your wishes in writing, your family members don't have to struggle, which is, exactly. which is what makes it so complicated for people at the end because families just don't always know what to do or know if they're doing the thing that you would want them to do. And the guilt I of that, that can be complex. And right. I like so the idea that you have somebody else that can help you and can exactly. make decisions for you. Okay, exactly. great. Let's continue with our interview, but we're going to take a little break because I want to say thank you to all our advertisers. Sounds good. A big shout out to Florida Blue, Jose Milton Foundation, Anna Vega Milton, Nicole Alvarez, our attorney in immigration and family law. And also we have Magic Waste Youth Foundation helping our forceful kids to become successful in their lifetime. Gladys Mislahi, who's running for councilwoman in Aventura. Lucia Bias Geller, who's running for District 3, Miami-Dade County Public School Board. Jackson Health Foundation, one of the best foundations in our nation and also one of the best health systems, Jackson Health Systems. A big shout out to Charmaine and Flavia. United Home Care, because the best place to be is being at home. We have Derek Morales. You'll be listening to him next year, early next year. He's going to be on the show. We're going to be talking about personal injury. We have Edgerardo de Broward. Elaine Maselli Vasquez. Her, her event is coming up on November 20th, Hispanic Women of Distinction. And then of course you have Sabosnik Insurance and we have big news for all of our listeners and all our viewers on, on November 10th. She's gonna tell you a big surprise. It's gonna make it better for every single one of you. Catholic Hospice, Diane, back off. You're seeing her right now. Thank you. Thank you so much, Diane, for being a strong supporter of On Point and Racial Turgamon. What you're doing for the world is fantastic because when people pass away, it's very difficult for the families also. Survivor's Pathway, a big shout out to the president and CEO, Francesco Dubelli, who deals with human trafficking, domestic violence, sexual assault. Let's get back to Diane Backoff. Thank you, Diane, you're amazing. Thank you, Rachel. The bereavement process, it's very painful. And thank God, as I said earlier, that Catholic hospice exists. That being said, once a beloved person or family member or friend passes away, how long does your team, Diane, stay in the picture in the bereavement process? Tell our viewers that. Thank you, Rachel. We are involved a year, up to a full year and beyond. Uh, 13 months is the criteria under the Medicare hospice benefit. But if we identify a need that a family member has, our staff is willing to continue on and support that, that family member. We have support groups. We have one-on-one -on -one counseling. We have virtual counseling right now. Right. Um, a lot of support in terms of our bereavement coordinators and a very well-run support program. I mean, if a viewers listen carefully, you know, 13 months after a loved one passes away, that's amazing. Because as we know, it is extremely painful. And if mm -hmm. we have volunteers and social workers and aides calling us and we're calling them, I know that you have a bereavement line 24-7. Yeah. You know, so that's that's truly miraculous. Now let's get to the services. Talk sure. to us about the wonderful services from A through Z. 
Tell so us. when an admission nurse meets with a patient and family and sort of designs a, a plan of care, if you will, they try to identify, again, those specific needs that that patient and family has, and they determine with the team how many visits will be done on a weekly basis, what disciplines will visit, the RN, the social worker, the chaplain or rabbi, depending on the faith. Um, the it's like a full faith. circle. It's a full circle of, of, of professionals. It's a full interdisciplinary group, which was the original concept of hospice. What are all the things that you will need? You'll need pain and symptom management. You'll need psychosocial and emotional support. Your family may need different kinds of anticipatory grief bereavement services. And so all of the blend, the blend of all these people come together and basically hold the patient in their arms and take care of the patient and the family until the end and then the family beyond the end. Unbelievable. So let's talk a little bit about the, the different programs. You also honor the veterans program. Tell us about that. We Honor Veterans is a program that is established by the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization. We do participate in We Honor Veterans. So if we identify a veteran that's admitted to the program, we wanna make sure they're recognized. We recognize them individually. We recognize veterans events. We wanna make sure that they're getting all their governmental resources. Sometimes a spouse won't understand what they're entitled to or maybe never even applied. And so we'll coordinate that for them. Um, to if they are missing a, an award from, from the Army that they, they might have lost or never received and should have, we'll pursue the opportunity to get that for them and present it. So anything that we That's can so precious. Do, that is so it's precious. A, it's a very touching ceremony. We do bedside salutes at the end of life and recognize their contribution and service to our country and make sure that they don't leave this world without having that recognition and very well deserved. God bless our nation and all of our veterans. Absolutely. What about your WISHES program, your WISHES grant program? Tell us about that one. So WISHES granted, you know, all of our ancillary support programs are funded by the community. We don't take that, the way that we support them is by no, donations through memorials that families will give um, and other ways that we solicit funds. We use, for the WISHES granted, we use money that's been donated to honor a last wish of a, of a patient. It might mean to go on a trip. It might mean to purchase airline tickets for a loved one to come here. We just coordinated for a very, very young patient in his early 20s. One of our bereavement coordinators um, put together getting him home. He was diagnosed in Fort Lauderdale on vacation, very quickly determined uh, due to a cancer that he had that he was terminally ill, came into our hospice inpatient unit at Holy Cross for pain control. And then our coordinator helped to work with the family and we sponsored his trip back home, which was wow. out of this country. So we had to do that. He wanted that to be- action, Diane, that action is priceless. It Just means a action. lot. It means a lot. And it says it all, I think, Rachel. It does say it all. Camp Erin for our children and youth, tell us. So children in our community or anywhere, if they want to apply to the camp and come and participate, now virtual, of course, but Previous to that was in person at a couple of camps, one in Dade and one in Broward. And it's remarkable. They come in on a Friday night and they actually look full of fear. And they leave on Sunday, midday afternoon, and they are happy. And they get to talk about their loss with the group on Friday night. Um, we tell them a story. They go off to their cabin with their new friends. And then they have activities all weekend long and they leave, I think, in a better place. I love it because as you know, studies have shown 
that some kids, you know, they bottle up and they're not saying anything. And then later on, they turn into drugs and they turn to alcohol and to all these other substance abuses. So with programs like yours, Catholic Hospice, that has this Camp Arab Bereavement Program for them, you know, you're actually helping the children and helping the parents and helping the families Absolutely. so they can move on with their lives. So that's really, really precious. Congratulations on that. Music therapy, tell us. Oh, I wish we could have, at some point, we'll have to have Laura, our music therapist, come and play for you. She's amazing. Oh, we would love an angel. And she's very committed. And uh, not only does she help the families a lot and the patients a lot, but she helps us. She helps us. She'll, she'll come into meetings and help us to learn relaxation techniques, calm us down, get us focused, um, and send us on our way into the meeting feeling refreshed and ready to go and creative and, and regenerate. So, regenerate? Regenerate. Regenerate. <laughs> but you know what's so beautiful about the music? It's just like it picks up your spirits. It does. You know, I remember before my mom passed away, may God have her in heaven. I miss her so much, Diane. Yeah. And, you know, we used to play music for her and that was, you know, she, right away she would perk up. So what right. you're doing at Catholic hospice with the music therapy and people that are already trained in this area is, is amazing. Pets. Yeah. Everybody loves our pets. Talk to us about the pets. Well, you know, I love my pet. You heard him running around here last night. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a big part of for pet lovers. A pet is your family member. And so we also participate in pet peace of mind to give the patient some peace of mind that if their pet is left behind or while they're ailing, they might have to go into the hospice inpatient unit that will assist with either caring for the pet or making arrangements for future arrangements for the pet. And so we try to, that's another program that we have that's funded completely by our donations. We wouldn't be able to do it without financial support from the community. And so we're able to um, just make sure that the patient understands that this family member, this pet who they consider as a family member is going to be taken care of. And that gives them peace of mind if they know they have pet peace of mind. That is so, so important. I'd like for us to put out the phone number again of Catholic Hospice so that if anybody's watching, please write down this number. We hope that you never need it. But the, the reality is that we're not going to be here forever. So just write it down. And the, one of the things that I also love about Catholic Hospice, and I want to bring it up to all our viewers, Diane, is that you don't look at denominations. It could be for anybody, whether Absolutely. you're Jewish, Hindu, Muslim. Talk to us about that. So I think that was Monsignor Walsh's, that was part of his vision. He definitely wanted a hospice connected to the Catholic Church, but he wanted all faiths to be included, respected, and um, one of the reasons why we have the Laheim Jewish program, and we have three rabbis that support that and are involved in, you know, in a, in a Jewish household where the rules of their faith govern how they make decisions, the rabbis can be involved at that point in time and they help support the family through the decision making. They can advise the family, pray with the family. Uh, and our rabbis are very, very special and we appreciate everything that they do for us. They do make a difference. Laheim Catholic uh, Services, right? Laheim Services. Volunteers, I also understand that they make phone calls and they help you with events or they go to the offices. Share your thoughts on that. So it's a really special part of the interdisciplinary team. The, the volunteer is a part of the team. They uh, will tell us what, how they want to be involved. Some want to be with patients because they've had a good experience on a hospice, on our hospice, and they want to give back. Some would prefer to be in the office. 
uh, some at the inpatient unit, maybe just assisting with meals or passing the water, uh, pitchers or whatever they can give a hand with. But we couldn't do it without the volunteers. It is a Medicare regulation to have at least 5% of your service hours, your administrative or your patient care hours um, dedicated under the volunteer hours. And so we track that and we recruit all the time. It's been difficult in the time of COVID. Again, virtual volunteering, virtual support. Some are still coming to the office, but you know we can't we can't function without them. They're an integral part of what we do. And so and those and they also bond with patients and families when they're visiting to provide companion support. Maybe they'll be the ones to walk the dog or clean the cat litter, but they'll do whatever whatever they can do to help the patient. It's such a huge help and gets rid of so many unnecessary headaches. What would you say to all our viewers tonight that have gotten to know you? They know that you are amazing, that you are a champion in our healthcare industry, that you've been involved with over 30 years and making life a little bit better for all of us as we go through difficult times, death. What would you say to our viewers, why is Catholic Hospice one of the best hospice providers throughout our nation? So we are the last not-for-profit hospice in Dade County. We also serve Broward County, and there's another not-for-profit. I don't think that tax status makes a difference at all. We are all required to provide the same amount of care to you in your home under the Medicare hospice benefit guidelines. I do, however, I've been here, it'll be three years this coming March, went by in a flash. I do know the staff, and I have never seen a more dedicated group of people at every level that the servant mentality they are tied to their faith they are they agree that they are there to serve and carry out god's work and they want to walk with people and it makes the difference absolutely and again you're very humble leadership stops at the top so when it starts there everybody's looking up to you they love you and i can I see why i, I definitely can see why <laughs> Well, Diane, unfortunately, we're running out of time. I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight on On Point Rachel Turgerman. Thank you for your support. Thank you for sharing with all of our viewers the essential comforting and nurturing services that Catholic Hospice provides to uh, patients that are terminally ill, as well as their families. Is there a last minute message, Diane, that perhaps you would like to leave all our viewers with tonight? It's hard not to fear death. So I wouldn't ask anyone to do that, but I would encourage you to make a plan, as we talked about earlier, to let your family members and loved ones know what you would like and to put those wishes in writing. That makes all the difference in the end for your family members, for the people that you love. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Diane. And we look forward to having you back next year as some members of your staff members. And we just pray for you and all of your staff to stay healthy as well during COVID-19 because I know that you're there subjected to so many people, but thank you for taking care of our families and our beloved loved ones. We'll Thanks, see you Rachel. Soon. Thank you. And to all of you, thank you so much for joining us again on On Point Rachel Turgerman. Please don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel, On Point Rachel Turgerman as well. Remember to stay informed and stay connected with us so we can all make the right decisions. Stay healthy, stay stay safe. God bless you all. Bye-bye for now. No, you're good. <laughs>